the fragmentation of deposits has been going on for, for so long. And it really came to a head with what was called the banking crisis, you know, over the past couple of weeks, because fundamentally, we just don't have the same relationships with our customers and members that we used to have. to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, who believes it is possible for you and your financial brand to harness data and build customers for life. That's why today's episode is part of the Game Changer series brought to you by Total Expert, a purpose-built CRM and customer engagement platform that creates growth and increases loyalty for modern lenders and financial brands. Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay and welcome to episode 290 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Game Changer series and I'm excited to welcome James White to the show. James is General Manager of Banking at Total Expert and he is committed to helping financial brands grow through effective strategy. I'd say even more importantly, relentless action to engage bank and credit union customers and members in meaningful ways. Today, James and I are going to dive deep into how your financial brand can generate, gain, and retain deposits. A hot topic for sure right now. Welcome to the show, James. It is good to share time with you today. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. Before we get into talking about deposit strategies, growth strategies, how financial brands can gain retain deposits, what is good in your world right now, personally or professionally? It is your pick to get started. Yeah, so everything's uh, really good in my world. Uh, just got back off of spring break. I have two teenage daughters. Uh, so first, I survived spring break, which was good. And then second, we went to Breckenridge and did some skiing as a family. So lots of fun. Skiing is good. Time with the family is good. Spring break is good. And it is good to hear all of all of that positive because you know when we look out at what is going on right now, in the financial services world, uh, there seems to be a little bit of, of confusion and some chaos that uh, might not feel so good for those who are listening, but it is my hope that we are able to put their hearts and minds at ease and, and maybe even give them a little bit of hope into where they can continue to maximize growth going forward into the future. And that's because you recently published an article in Fortune, and it was titled Apps, Crypto, and even Starbucks cards, which is all about deposit fragmentation, has been on a decade-long mission to bring down banking, and it's not done yet. It's an important article. It's a great perspective. I highly recommend the dear listener read it to get the full take. But because we have you here today, I, I want to start off, why write this article and why now? Interesting question that you asked because I actually had uh, written the, the article essentially quite some time ago because the fragmentation of deposits has been going on for, for so long. And, and it really came to a head with what was called the banking crisis, you know, over mm -hmm. the past couple of weeks, because fundamentally, uh, we just don't have the same relationships uh, with our customers and members that we used to have. And so that is a problem and will continue to be a problem until we can uh, really adjust the way that we are interacting with our customers and, and members to build that loyalty that we used to have. 
I think that's the key word right there. It's loyalty. And even in the title of this article, you bring up Starbucks. Why is it important to think about Starbucks? Because it's not one that we might consider as a quote unquote competitive threat within financial services. What makes Starbucks unique? Because when I think about and I hear the word Starbucks, loyalty is closely associated with, with that particular brand. Yeah, so, uh, well, Starbucks specifically, what they've done fantastic is uh, a lot of retail uh, retailers were leveraging loyalty programs and building points and things of that sort to gain that loyalty or manufacture that loyalty that was difficult to gain that we as financial institutions and institution being the term uh, had a lot of that loyalty. Well, Starbucks just leveraged those rewards and, and started to pull in you know, deposits and, and balances as well. Just as a number of fintech, uh, B2C fintechs have continued to, to do as well. And, and every deposit that leaves a financial institution uh, is, uh, is leakage that is really uh, something that we need to be concerned about. I mean, I even pulled up an article in preparation for our conversation today. It's from Market Watch. It goes all the way back to 2016. Starbucks has more money on cards than many banks have in deposits. And then when you look out at the fintech, because that was 2016, flash forward to where we're at today in 2023, and now we have B2C fintechs um, that have popped up. Then you also have more of a demographic perspective uh, as well. And I, I want to pause on this point because it might be a matter of awareness when you think about financial brand leadership. Um, we're, we're moving through a transition um, of, of who is leading a financial brand forward and perspective creates reality, um, if you will. And so we're going all the way from, say, America's greatest generation uh, to uh, baby boomers, to Gen X, to millennials, to Gen Z. We, we have you know, four or five generations all working together and their perspective of the world is, is of course going to be different, but it's, it's the way that we view money, the way, way that we view spending. Um, I think of, you know, apps like Venmo, uh, for example, um, cash app, that's a Gen Z, but even millennials are, are using these, these platforms and they store quote unquote deposits there. What are some of the potential threats if you will, to a an incumbent financial brand, a, a bank, a, a credit union, when it comes to their present day deposit strategies that could hamper future growth. One of the, the things that I believe we've done as financial institutions is, is not uh, differentiated ourselves or, or separate ourselves from a deposit strategy perspective. We continue to think about deposits in the same old way of time mm -hmm. deposits and CDs as an example and money markets and savings accounts. There are so many other ways now that these fintechs and, and other institutions are coming at these uh, younger depositors. We haven't really had to historically worry about it. We've often talked about it for many years, but we haven't really executed well on it because we've had an influx of deposits with stimulus checks and PPP and, and all these things. We've had free money, so you know, it's around loan volumes that we can't even handle you know, historically. Right. And, and now uh, we've got to make the time uh, to have a differentiated deposit strategy that's going to separate our, us from others. As an example, uh, we call deposit time deposit CDs. Well, most young demographics don't even know what a CD is uh, from a CD player to a, a deposit. You know, they have no idea. 
I want to pause on that point just for a moment because we recently conducted a digital secret shopping study for a $2 billion community institution around, and you used this word earlier, money market account. Um, and we did, I think, maybe 10 or 12 different qualitative studies to where we took real consumers within a particular demographic segment that this institution was targeting, and we brought them to the website and walked them through a series of questions. And one of the questions was, before you get too far, what is a money market account in your own words? 90%, and this was a millennial demographic that we were testing against, 90% had no clue as to what a money market account was, A, and then B, I think even more, it was a bit humorous, we actually heard one of the testers stumble through the answer. And at that time they were pulling up Google and we knew when they reached Google because they start reading the Google definition of a money market account, almost verbatim word for word. And we can laugh about that, but, but that's where we have this internal language and knowledge that the average person does not have access to or knowledge around. So we have this almost a knowledge gap, um, an expertise gap, if you will. What are some of the, the, the ways that we can bridge that gap through education, but maybe even more specifically, you've used this term in some of your thoughts that you've shared with me, differentiated deposit strategy. Yeah, well, and and uh, there's a lot of content out around financial wellness and financial health and financial education. Uh, I mean, just to your, your point around money market, uh, think about a checking account. Most uh, consumers these days don't even know what a check is yeah. as a, an example. Those of us who are Gen Xers, uh, at least well, I was provided a checkbook at a very young age and had to you know learn to balance my register and all those types of things. Right. And so there's not a lot of that out there these days. Uh, and so uh, there's a, a big movement around financial education and getting that financial education to that consumer at the right time, uh, wherever they are in their life stage, so that you're you're helping them. And there's a lot of applications and things like that that are, are out there as well to, to do that. But uh, simple things from a differentiated deposit uh, strategy uh, really uh, come to, to play. It's like, uh, does someone, uh, does a consumer care about whether it's called a money market account or a savings account? What they really want is to, to get as much interest as possible on their savings account. So create a tier based, uh, savings account, create relationship pricing, uh, strategies to, uh, help increase loyalty and, and more depth of relationship, you know, more products or, or services per customer member or household, however you look at it. You know, there, there are things like that a lot of us have been talking about for a long time that just we've never really needed to, to do. Total Expert believes empowering financial brands and lenders to have a human-first connection with their customers will create a financially healthier world. And there is no better way for you to create a human-first connection than through Total Expert. Named the number one CRM by Stratmore Group, Visit www.totalexpert.com to learn how you can build an even better customer experience through deeper insights and meaningful engagements. Yeah, you know, as, as you're going through some of these practical applications from a, a strategy 
uh, standpoint. I also think with the research that we've been doing, uh, Ally Bank, for example, have done a fantastic job. Ally and um, there was one other national brand, uh, might have been Cap One. So, for example, you're talking about savings and tiers. I think about Ally Bank and Cap One. So you have an APY for a CD. Well, what does that really mean? I mean, we know that, you know, the higher, the better, but not always. Once again, it's the curse of knowledge. I think of some secret shopping studies that we've done historically in the past that look at an APY for, say, a checking account. And there have been real consumers who are like, they want to charge me a percentage for my checking account because they're confusing APY with APR. Um, so there's that, once again, that, that knowledge gap. But then it's like, well, what does that really mean? How does that translate? Okay, so let's say I have $1,000 or $10,000 that I could invest into one of these, and I'll use an industry term, savings vehicles, which people, well, what does that mean? <laughs> Cap One and Ally, they actually show what the return is based upon the rate, the time for the account, say it's a CD, you know, 12 months, 18 months, 36 months, uh, five years, so that someone can quickly see like, oh, if I do this, then I will get that versus it just being a rate. What's your take on, and, and I know we're getting to some nuances here, this all boils down to communication and communication strategy. It's about positioning beyond just the rate, but actually showing what the perceived future could look like. How might that be helpful when it comes to deposit strategies? Oh, well, and that's a, a fantastic question. So, and I'll answer it both from a retention perspective as well as an acquisition of new perspective. So first on a, a retention perspective, start educating your existing uh, CD holders uh, of uh, some of the gotchas in APY uh, mm. and the differences in compounding and, and show how maybe that more attractive rate that they see on the internet may not actually generate them the same amount of return as it would with a, a renewal rate that you're going to offer. Uh, it's very simple stuff. Uh, start to know when they're going to expire and start to communicate ahead of time. From an acquisition perspective, uh, it's the same uh, type of thing. Show uh, there's a lot of CDs out there right now that are such a low rate that a consumer would generate more income over the term of the CD to pay the fee to leave their current CD and renew their CD at a newer rate. So you could easily communicate with them to say, pay your $500 uh, early term fee. Yes. And you're jumping from 1.2 to 4 point whatever, you're still going to increase your return over the term of the CD by $1,500 or whatever it is. That right there is such a practical takeaway that anyone listening can just pause this. Don't listen to anything else that we're going to be talking about and go and apply this thinking because it's about, like you said, not just acquisition, it's about retention. And I think about, you know, my relationships uh, with financial brands, and I have a lot because I'm always learning from the market in real time. And with this recent, you know, perceived banking crisis, I, I, I'm identifying there is a communication gap that is closely tied with the confidence gap um, within the vertical. The organizations, the institutions who commit to proactively communicate 
with account holders and provide recommendations that are beneficial to the account holder will in fact increase what what started this conversation. It's the loyalty aspect. Um, and that's where, you know, I want to get your take on, because we're, we're moving into more of what I would call triggered-based communication. How does data play into this? Because being able to, A, identify, and then B, take action off of identifying opportunities with current relationships, what do we need to be looking at around our data sets to take action and not just be theory, but really move the needle forward, move the ball forward down the field? So we've been saying in, in financial services marketing for many years, you want to deliver the right message to the right person at the right time. We often would use seasonality and segmentation and things like that to, to do that. Uh, but now uh, we have so much more data available to us that it actually even becomes overwhelming. And, and so oftentimes we don't act on it because we think that if we had this next data element, that's what's going to separate us. But at the end of the day, it's really about making an impact. And so oftentimes you can make an impact with just a few data elements. Think about just CD retentions we were just talking about. You want to know their rate, their expiration date, and, and who they are and you know what the balance is. But uh, the activity-based marketing is crucial doesn't mean that the old segmentation and, and seasonality goes away because that's still uh, important as well. Uh, mm -hmm. But making sure that you you either lose credibility or gain credibility with every interaction with your customer or member. And, and so uh, it's very important. It's actually more important that you don't lose credibility than it is to gain credibility. So, But don't try to go all the way from zero to a, a thousand, go from nothing to AI, just try a few things and be more focused on action versus trying to get it perfect every time. And it's about, I think, proper expectation setting. Uh, that's one of the reasons that we have uh, couch to 5k apps and not couch to marathon apps. Mm -hmm. We want to run the 5k, then the 10k, then the half marathon, then the marathon, and then if we're really filling it, we can go for the Ironman or the ultra marathon uh, at that point. But it's about building up, number one, the capability, but I think more specifically, the confidence, and that confidence begins within. Confidence is, is having the, the faith in ourselves, in our teams, in our organization, in our technology stack, that yes, we can actually do this proactive trigger outreach, but we can't go from couch to ultra marathon. So let's roll this back and take it step by step. Where, where would one begin the smaller, maybe couch to 5k in the first 90 days, if they were going to go down a path like this so that it's not so overwhelming to in their mind, but it builds their confidence. And I think that confidence leads to continued future momentum going forward into the future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing I believe you have to do is identify the need of your specific organization. Mm -hmm. So if you, uh, just because the, the term is uh, so popular right now, if you have liquidity concerns, that means you need more deposits. So mm -hmm. let's start looking at all of my deposits that are either running off that I've, I've noticed leakage on, or uh, start looking at CDs that are coming up for renewal, or start looking at my product design. And then once you figure out what hole you're trying to fill, then it's just taking the, the minimum required data elements in order to, to act on it. 
because it, it doesn't take as much. You don't have to direct API into chat GPT four or five uh, right. in order to, <laughs> to get the right message to the right individual at the right time and, and get a little bit of uh, loyalty along the way. You just mentioned minimum. And I think about like an MVP, like a minimum viable product, but you, I'm thinking what you just shared with me, an MDE, a minimum data element required to, to just move forward and make incremental progress into the future. Something else, cause, cause we, you know, we can look at, at, at two lenses here. We can look at future focused and you mentioned before financial education, financial empowerment. That's a much, I think a longer term deposit strategy for sure. But if we come back to the present moment, real time onboarding, um, is an opportunity. Um, and, and, and not just onboarding, but, but also reboarding as well. Um, can, can we break each one of these up specifically for opportunities framed around deposit, uh, acquisition and deposit growth? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, onboarding, I think I saw a statistic around 40% uh, of your customers, uh, if aren't onboarded properly, will, uh, leave within the first year. Uh, because they're only there as a transaction versus any kind of relationship. And so what you want to do is make sure that you are getting them engaged in the stickiest products and services possible that are part of that original cycle. So if we're talking about uh, a checking account, as an example, uh, Mm -hmm. then you want to make sure that they uh, have an active debit card. Not only is it active, has it been swiped? Has it uh, been added to their virtual wallet? Uh, did they sign up for online banking or mobile banking? Did they actually log in? Did they sign up for bill pay? Did they actually put billers in there? Have you seen a uh, transaction occur out of bill pay? You know, all those things that are fairly simple. Uh, it's the same thing uh, from a reboarding perspective. What kind of dormant accounts do you have out there? Uh, a lot of institutions have been so focused on PFI status, primary financial institution status for so long, but really uh, it's kind of shifting to primary transacting account. It's which one, which account is the one, is the card that is in my virtual wallet that is being swiped the most that's going to give me all of the behavior that I want to know about my customer or member, know where they're spending their money, where they have accounts elsewhere, all those types of things. That's, to me, a lot more important than, say, having a direct deposit that, that feeds in, which is uh, typically one of the main factors for PFI status. That's a great perspective because, you know, historically, as you mentioned, thinking about the, you know, the goal, the gold standards to be someone's PFI. I, I've been saying, and it's a controversial point, but I don't think that's achievable anymore with all of the choice. And I like what you just shared if we put that that thought rooted in the past to the side, and maybe it's the future goal is to be the primary transaction account, the, the PTA, um, if you will, that I think is a, a really realistic goal because what we gain off of that, which creates even more value going forward in the future, is the transactional data to be able to then use triggers and all of now we're getting into more of the marathon if you Mm -hmm. will but we can't get to the marathon unless we do the 5k the 10k the half marathon let's dive deeper into that and paint a picture of okay we have systems capabilities technologies in place we've got the primary transaction 
mentality, what could we do with that data going forward to acquire deposits, loans, et cetera, that we might not be thinking? Because I don't see very many organizations thinking about this, number one, and then really number two, taking action against that. Yeah, so uh, from a marathon perspective, start thinking about transaction activity. First off, you're getting all the interchange income, uh, which is, uh, I think last year, uh, the average credit union, as an example, ended up being about 50-50 on uh, non-interest income versus interest income. It was the first time I'd ever got really close. Yeah. That's because of all that interchange. So you, you mm-hmm. get that. And then transaction behavior. One, you're going to know every bill that they're paying outside of your institution. Mm. So where other credit cards are, mortgages are, loans are. Uh, and so you can uh, often uh, you know, offer refis or yeah. you know, offer lower rates. If you're a community institution, whether you're a bank, or a credit union, I, I personally believe it's your responsibility to help ensure that your customer or member is financially healthy. Well, what better way to do that than make sure that they're leveraging your products and services that you know are in their best interest. So uh, leverage that transaction behavior. You also can uh, use it to identify life events. We all know that life events are a major uh, indicator of a financial decision, whether that be marriage, death, uh, child, uh, college, child in college, you know, all those Mm -hmm. types of things. Look for those expenditures that you see out there. Look for uh, home uh, improvement. And then on the flip side, you could identify a risk, you know, perhaps uh, loss of direct deposit. Or now you see that they are getting gaining a lot of income from Uber or Lyft. Maybe they're having to take a side job. Maybe they're, yeah. they're having some financial concerns there. So, I mean, it goes on both sides. And this comes back to, once again, taking a proactive stance in an account holder's life, essentially, not just financial life, but just in life, and then being able to provide guidance, offers, recommendations to help them get from point A to point B with as little pain uh, as possible or to achieve gains every step of the way. And, you know, I, I think about what will it take to realize that type of a future? And it all comes back to getting the smaller wins right now in the present moment to keep building towards that, that bigger, better, brighter future, putting people at the center of all of our thinking and doing, uh, human-centered design, human-centered growth, if you will. If, if we come back to the present moment and thinking about that future state around deposit growth, the biggest roadblock right now that the dear listener needs to be aware of, that could be an impediment, whether it be now in the present or going towards the future, What's the one or two things that's like, ah, I need to, to be mindful of these things? The first thing is if we're using the analogy of the Couch to Marathon app, it's get off the couch. Uh, mm. It's, uh, you know, identify those uh, one or two big items and actually focus on making an impact. Uh, you want to move a thousand things an inch or a few things a mile. Uh, and that really do nothing, I think, is our, our biggest uh problem uh, right now. And the ones that really act and focus on uh, measuring that action uh, are the ones that are going to make an impact and continue to to grow and and succeed. I like that idea of just get off the couch. Um, Let's just get off the couch. Let's take a couple of steps together. And that's one of the big reasons I'm so uh, 
adamant and passionate about the idea of coaching um, and coaching teams through a journey like this because it does require the, the change of habits and actions and emotions and thoughts and belief systems and structures. And to do that alone can sometimes be very intimidating. It can be very overwhelming. It can be very frustrating. I know of a, I know you might have one or two people within the organization like, yeah, we want to do this. We're ready to go. But I've got, you know, 98 other people that I've got to get in sync so that we're all running together in the same direction. If if someone is listening, they're like, that's me. I'm 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 that one or two people who's ready to go and ready to run. What can they do to increase the courage of others to commit to move forward together with confidence to to acquire, to gain, to retain deposits through some of the strategies that we've talked about today? Yeah, absolutely. I, I always call it, my analogy is it's like changing the tire on a moving car. Uh, the rest of your day job doesn't start when you uh, start wanting to make an impact and the rest of the organization's behaviors don't change uh, as well. And so uh, what you've got to do is uh, lead by example. You know, change some small things that are within your control, yeah. uh, and show that it makes an impact. Uh, and gain—it's all from the, the top down. Then gain leadership buy-in, uh, and once your your leaders are buying in, now you're able to to make some uh, changes. And oftentimes, it, it may be showing them the data uh, that supports it. So. We in financial institutions, one thing we have been focused on since the mid-90s is normalizing data and, and getting mm. it into data warehouses. Uh, the problem is that that data warehouse now either becomes something that we generate a report from or an extract that goes to another system. It doesn't necessarily f- uh, facilitate action. And so right. taking just a few of those data elements and facilitate action that's within your control. Uh, and that's the pattern that I keep hearing you come back to. It's the few pieces of data that we can take action on right now in the present moment. That's that's what provides the path forward to the future. On that idea of the path forward, if someone wants to walk that journey with you, James, and wants to continue to learn from you, what's the best way for them to, to connect, to reach out, to say hello? Yes, I'd love for you to reach out and connect uh, on LinkedIn. It's uh, James S. White on LinkedIn. Love to, to connect there. My email address is james.white at totalexpert.com. I love to have uh, conversations like this and banter back and forth. James is always writing something of, of value, something of relevance. I do highly recommend checking out his article in Fortune. As always, and until next time, Thanks for joining me, James, on this Banking on Digital Growth podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Connect with James, learn with James, grow with James. James, thanks so much, man. Thanks. You be well, do good, and as always, make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, brought to you by Total Expert, who has built the world's leading CRM and customer engagement platform to create growth and loyalty for modern lenders and financial institutions. To learn more about how you can harness data and build customers for life, visit www.totalexpert.com. Until next time, be well and do good.